Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. We'll be coming to you weekly, and we'll start off by bringing you the sermon from the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. That way, if you're traveling, or you miss the service on Sunday morning for whatever reason, or even if you just want to listen to it again, you can have it delivered right to your mobile device. To subscribe to episodes so they arrive automatically, you can click the subscribe button in your podcast app on your phone, tablet, or laptop. And now, the 10 a.m. sermon from January 5th, 2020, with Father Ed Kelleher. To the glory of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the glorious things about this old stone church is that we can make it midnight here at 12 noon on the 4th of July. It's not hard to do. And in doing it on a day like this, we get to see the special lights, hundreds of lights. I think there are more than four to 500 lights all around the room if you went around and counted them, giving us this expression of the light of Christ, that he comes into the world and he's being revealed as the Son of God, as God himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he is the Son, part of the Holy Trinity. People come all the time seeking to see God, seeking to see heaven, seeking to know what is after the things they go through in this world. As pastors, we priests have people who come, and many of them have lost loved ones. They say, my my father has died, my best friend has died, my mother, some cousin, whoever it is, and they're seeking consolation, and they want to know what heaven is like. What does it look like there? We can run to Thessalonians and other places and pull out little scriptures and show them what it looks like. And their minds race with wonder. They start thinking about the amazing beauty of heaven, the colossal colors and the gorgeous creation that God has made there, the streets that are supposedly paved with coals, choirs of heavenly angels singing more gloriously than we could ever imagine, and maybe even our loved ones. We see our loved ones when we get there. But I dare say this to you, when you get to heaven, even with all of that, the most amazing thing that you're ever going to see is the face of Jesus himself. You say, well, that sounds very religious and holy roller. I mean it factually. There is nothing more gorgeous to the, to the eye of the heart or the eye of the mind or the eye of the physical body than to see the face of Jesus risen in glory, residing in heaven at the right hand of the Father, praising him is our highest duty. Well, if we want to see him like that, we acknowledge that it's something that's very deep within us. Everybody wants to see God. I remember being a child, closing my eyes as tightly as I could, and saying, Lord, I'm going to count to five, and when I open my eyes, can I see you, please? And I open my eyes, and of course, he wasn't there for me. I've never seen a physical manifestation of God like that. I've never seen what was called a theophany, an appearance of God. I've never heard the voice of God literally in my head. But I know many people who do, and I don't discount it as spec. I believe fully and completely that that happens, that it is an actuality in the world, that God does present himself to people for different reasons. Well, we have it so much in our desire to see God, that even hymns are written about it. There was one hymn written by a man named Robert Cull, and he said this, I gotta take my glass, for some reason, I have candle wax all over the right lens. I can't see through the right lens, so everybody on this side, I don't even know if you're over there. I'm preaching to you guys. Robert Cole wrote this. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. That's a great start. I want to see Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him and say that we love him. 
Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus. There's no better prayer you can pray than you want to see Jesus. But understanding that it might mean something very different than you think, we have to go and explore it. A guy named Paul Beloche wrote this hymn that they sing at the family table service down the hall a lot. We sing this a lot. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Well, that's what we're talking about here in Epiphany. Epiphany gives us this gift, this amazing invitation to come and see Jesus in his full glory. You say, what do you mean by these little lights that we're holding, these candles? Huh, that's just a little speck of what we're talking about here. To see him in our hearts, to see him and know him. There's so much riding in your life on the notion of seeing Jesus. This is really important. Oh, you can go to heaven without doing what I'm about to say. You, you, you can come to Jesus and ask him to save you, and you can live a working day life, and your ticket is punched, you're going to heaven because you put your faith in the Lord. That's the gospel. If you call on the name of the Lord and you are repentant to him, you're, you're saved, you're going to heaven. Well, here we have something that comes even better. It's something that spices up your life and adds to it way beyond the ordinary we're just waiting for death kind of a thing. The Apostle Paul said this, because there's so much writing on it, about seeing Jesus. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which Jesus has called you, that you may know the riches of Jesus' glorious inheritance and his holy people, and that you may know Jesus' incomparably great power for us who believe. So there's incomparable power, the riches of glorious inheritance, that your eyes may be enlightened, that you know the hope to which you can call. This idea of the eyes of your heart being enlightened, enlightened is a really big deal. But you might say, I don't get that. I mean, I believe in this stuff, but I don't know that I believe the eyes of my heart. What are you talking about I can see with my heart? Well, the heart is able to perceive things that the mind and the eyes cannot. And we're going to build on that, but hold on to that. I'm trying to teach a new way of approaching faith, a new way of relating to God that will help you to change forever. I believe. I do. I know that BJ believes, people in this choir, a lot of people here believe. But giving intellectual assent to saying I believe in God is not the same thing as pouring your heart out, opening your heart wide so he can do heart surgery on you. He's got to fix up some things that are not the way they are right now and help you. You need to be able to do what I had to do and set aside intellectual pride. I went a long time, people know here, I know 20 years of my life not believing in any God or anything. I was from teenager to my mid-30s not believing in a thing. And part of the problem as time went on was intellectual pride. I got to a point where I can't admit I believe in this nonsense. If I believe, suppose I'm wrong, I'm gonna look silly. I'm gonna look foolish. Who believes that a God rises from the dead? Who believes in a virgin birth? Who believes in some God in the heavens who created? I couldn't make that leap. First of all, because I had the pride of my intellect. And secondly, I didn't want to risk looking foolish to do that. And then people say, oh, you're, you're a fool. Well, the fact of the matter is, when I took the leap, it was there. I was like the one who refused to see. Um, a doctor is in his office when the receptionist comes into the doctor's office. And the receptionist says, doctor, you need to come out in the lobby right now. There's a man out there who claims he's invisible. The doctor said, tell him I can't see him right now. <laughs> well, if the doctor just went out into the lobby, he wouldn't see him. But he didn't want to do that. 
He didn't want to take his effort to go see the man. Likewise, if I would just give my heart over to God and look for Jesus, I will see him. But the fact of the matter is, I don't always make that walk. A lot of us don't make that walk, and we don't go through that. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, You have eyes, but you do not see. And you have ears, and you don't hear. Oh, what does he mean by this? He mean you got physical eyes, so you should see things? No. He says, you, he means you have eyes of your heart, but you don't see things. In Matthew 13, he says it the other way. He said, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and blessed are your ears because they hear. In other words, the, the way that we please our Lord in part is when we come across to the point where we actually see him in our hearts and we know he's there and we're wide open about it. Paul speaks again in 2 Corinthians when he says, The evil God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. That is to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. We're being kept from seeing. We're being kept from hearing. We're being kept from believing. We're being kept from transforming. But Jesus comes barreling into the world, crashing through the darkness, crashing through all the difficulties, to say to you, I love you so much. Look at me. See me. I represent the love and the power and the goodness and the holiness and the forgiveness and the eternal life of your Father God. Come to me in that way. What a magnificent invitation. The light of Epiphany Sunday, we're here with Epiphany and Epiphany Day, which is really technically tomorrow, represents the glory of God that is found in Jesus. And one of the things that's always amazing is we went around and we lighted the candles. Each of you lighted the candles. And we're going to light the candles again for the final hymn. And you're going to take them and light them. And we're going to ask you to keep your candles lighted as you leave the room. And why? To represent that we're taking the light of Christ out to the world. It's symbolic as we leave the room with our handheld lighted candles that all of us are going out into the world to bring the light of Christ to the world. But my point in bringing this up is some acolyte will come down the aisle and light your candle. And now one candle will light yours and the next person, the next, the next, the next. And everybody's going to light each other's candles from the first candle. But the first candle is never diminished by the fact that it lighted other candles. It keeps burning just as gloriously as it would have otherwise. Or you get into some physics and give me an argument, I understand, but you get my point. It shines as brightly as it did before it lighted your candle. And we are like that as well. When the light is made within us by God, we shine to the world and we, we tell people that we have seen the Lord. I want to see Jesus. I've seen him with the eyes of my heart. When we say that then, the eyes of the heart, it's in the Bible a lot, the eyes of your heart. We talk about what I know in my heart. I can say, well, do you really know what's going on over there? You say, I know in my heart it's going to be good. Well, what does that mean, you know in your heart? Well, obviously we're not talking about the thing that's pumping blood in your chest. The heart is the soul. It's the spirit of a person. And God has taught us that we are capable of seeing things in our hearts that we can't otherwise see. Simply put, you are capable of a higher order of seeing and knowing than your eyes and your brain can provide. Your eyes and your brain are not able to provide this higher order of seeing and knowing that your soul, that your spirit, that what happens in your heart can do. God made you that way. We can know things in our hearts that we can't know in our minds. We can see things in our hearts that we can't see with our eyes. It's just that way. This idea of epiphany, the idea of Jesus being revealed, of seeing the light that represents God's love, that light that comes in Christ. Christ is the light himself. This epiphany happens to me every day. So what are you, some special person? No, 
There are many of us in this room who have epiphanies every day because we're trying to walk with God. We're asking Him to show Himself to us. And so He does. And in that, that sentence that I've given you over and over again ad nauseum, I tell you, if you see God a hundred times in your life in one day, you've missed it by 10,000. He's there looking over you, watching over you, loving you, protecting you, providing for you, caring for you. You say, well, how do I do this? Sounds like some tricky spiritual walk. I'd probably have to pray like a month for 30 years, and then I'll get this ability. It's not that way at all. Seeing God is not an act of achievement. It's not an act of accomplishment. Seeing God is an act of surrender. All you gotta do is do less. It's to surrender and say, Lord, I give up all my preconceived notions of who you are and what you look like. I give up my intellectual pride that says you can't possibly be there because what I don't know in my brain can't exist. I'm telling you, your brain is puny compared to the things you can know in your heart. And it's when you surrender to the Lord and say, you come into my heart. Will you show me yourself? I'm just going to sit here humbly and watch for you. And what you will see is his fingerprints on everything in front of you. You'll see him show up in hospital rooms, in classrooms for children, in the hallway when you greet a friend, in front of your house when somebody comes by in their car and blows the horn and says a nice thing to you. And all of a sudden you start seeing God in all these things. And he's representing himself to you every way he can. Many people don't believe that. It's sad that they don't. Many people don't believe that the brain isn't the highest order, especially in this city. Oh my goodness. Now people say to me, what's your biggest challenge as a pastor in Washington? It's easy. Intellectual pride. Oh, there's no doubt about it at all. Intellectual pride is the number one stumbling block that we have to get past here together. It really is. But what you have to know is that not overcoming that and not giving yourself into seeing God with the eyes of your heart instead of the eyes of your head prohibits you from knowing the real you. The real you is not the you that's been given these socially and culturally prescribed roles. Oh, you're a school teacher, you're the oldest son in your family, you're a person who uh, is an usher at church, you're a mother, you're a father, you're a child, you're a grandmother, you're a grandfather. All those roles are true, and they're wonderful roles, and they're important roles, and I'm excited when people have good vocational roles. But that's not who you really are. Who you really are is represented by what's going on in your heart. It's a matter of heart. And when you're looking at the heart, and when you take away all those camouflage things of these prescribed roles that you're carrying on, when you take away the mask of this identity that you carry in the world, and you look at what's there, sometimes it's more lovely than you ever thought, because the other stuff is messing you up. And sometimes it's uglier than what you thought because you were disguising it and hiding it because you're afraid people would judge you if they ever saw the real you. But you don't need to worry about that. By taking off the camouflage, by taking off the mask, you enable the Lord to come in and do heart surgery on you, and to fix whatever's wrong, and to help you with that. You can trust the eyes of your heart way more than you can trust the eyes of your head. I'm telling you that. Your physical eyes cannot behold the glory of God except to look at Revelation. I admit you can see the stars and the sun and the moon and the trees and beautiful animals and each other. I see God in all of you. I look and I see the beauty of the Lord in your faces and in your being and in the hearts that you have to love and come worship Him this morning. But it's only a speck, the tip of the iceberg, to what's awaiting us when we open our hearts and just let Him flood in and do that for us. I had to learn this. I had to bow my knee and surrender to it. I was prideful, I was stubborn, I was willful, and I suspect you are too to some degree or another. All of us are to one degree or another. And here's another important thing that's the, I guess, kind of an ultimate point to really 
um, how do I say, give an exclamation point, some punctuation to what I'm saying to you. You take someone who has no sight at all, whose physical eyes don't work, and that person has as much power to see the Lord God with the eyes of his heart or her heart as anyone in the world. Because seeing God is not a physical thing, it is an act of love. It's not an accomplishment, it's a surrender. It's letting him have his way with you to do what he needs to do. In Hebrews, the second chapter, it says, we see Jesus. The words are there, in different translations, a different way, but we see Jesus. Well, Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century preacher in England, had this to say about that verse, we see Jesus. He said, the writer of Hebrews, who wrote, we see Jesus, is not referring to any seeing of the Lord by mortal eyes at all. He is speaking of faith. He means a spiritual sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the eye of the soul. It is the act of looking unto Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is speaking of the spiritual eye here. He is speaking of that vision which God affords to us, to those of us who have had their eyes anointed with a heavenly sound. There's something going on, and people have known it for hundreds of years. Ever read My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers? There's a fellow who knew some spiritual faith. Chambers said, being saved and seeing God, not the same thing, two different things. You can be saved, I've told you, your ticket is punched, you're going to heaven, you say you believe in Jesus, you get baptized, all that is true. But that is not the same thing as living this life and seeing God during it. You can be saved and never see God much during the course of your human life here. It's worth having in your heart. Chambers goes on and he says, many people who have never seen Jesus have received and shared his grace. You don't have to see him to go to heaven, in other words. But once you have seen him, you can never be the same. Other things will never have the appeal that they had for you before. Well, that happened to me. It happened to many people. For me, it meant when I saw Jesus, I had to quit my vocation and come and be ordained as a priest in the church. I couldn't imagine anything else. I saw it that powerfully in my life. You don't have to run away and join the circus like I did. You can see Jesus in other ways. You can see him in ways in your own vocation, your own life, that will help you that way. And if you want to see Jesus in your life, here's a big thing. You need to expect him to show up. People say, well, I want to see Jesus, but they don't really look for him. They're waiting for him to make some grand explosion or put off fireworks in the sky so they can see him. But we should be looking attentively, waiting, like those, those virgins with their kerosene lamps, their oil lamps in the gospel, who are waiting to see the bride of, of God come, the bride of the church come, the bride of Christ to come, waiting for the bridegroom to come. We should be like that, expected. And if you don't see him in your heart, then come to someone to help you maybe and do that. I would like to think that people come to church to see him. If you don't come to church every Sunday expecting to see Jesus, in some ways it's baffling to me why you would come at all. And I don't mean that literally, because I think some people come because they need something. They don't even know what it is, they can't articulate, so they come to church with some hope. But what I'm telling you is when you get through all that confusion, and you're trying to figure out what it is you came for and what you need, you need to see Jesus. You need to see him and know him and graft him into your heart. And you'll have your personal epiphanies. We talk about the big epiphany with the capital E that happens when uh, Jesus is met by the Magi who come to visit him, the wise men who come to see him. That happened in the River Jordan when he's baptized. There was another epiphany moment. That happened in his first miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. And all those things tell us the big impact statement of the epiphany. 
but we have our individual epiphanies. About 20 years ago or more, I scribbled some words on a piece of paper that came to me after being in a hospital, seeing an unfortunate situation with family. And you know what I wrote down? I wrote down that sometimes people see more clearly through tears in their eyes than they do with clear eyes. With tears in their eyes, they see him more clearly than with clear eyes. And that goes right to the point of me saying it's not the physical eye that matters. The reason they see him with tears in their eyes is that it is when we are in pain, suffering, loss, fear, rejection, brokenness, that we call out and say, God, where are you? I need to see you. And he comes and he shows up. And if we will be willing to surrender our intellect a little bit and let the eyes of our hearts a more powerful way of seeing things take over, suddenly he appears before us. One author wrote, I this author who wrote about knock-knock jokes, and he says, people go around saying, the grandest knock-knock joke of all is knock-knock, who's there? And you open the door and it's Jesus. He's always there. Knock-knock, who's there? Is it? It's me. I've come to be with you. In your worst times, call upon him to see him. Expect to see him. Learn that there's a way to see and know in your heart things you couldn't imagine with your eyes and your brain. And the end of it is that Epiphany, this Epiphany Sunday, isn't just a day where we sang hymns and lit candles. It's a day where you actually made that leap from being the casual, yeah, I believe, person to the one that says, wow, oh my goodness, I see him, I know him now as I've never known him before. And as I said earlier, when that happens to you, you will never, ever be the same again. And that's good news. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. I hope you'll download future episodes. You can subscribe and have the episode delivered automatically each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. I hope you have a great week. God bless.